Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This series is on the parables of Jesus. A terrific companion to this teaching is Kevin's best-selling book, Mystery Parables of the Kingdom, available in paperback, hardcover, and ebook formats from Amazon in your area, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Right, Matthew chapter 13, and I'd like to give you three, uh, the three of the synoptic gospel synoptics. We mean Matthew, Mark, Luke, and uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Pardon me. I'd like you to give you three references from which I'm drawing in our uh, session tonight. And we're going to be talking about the parable of the mustard seed. The parable of the mustard seed. Everybody say that with me. The parable of the mustard seed. So put down these references and then we're going to read the uh, Matthew chapter 13 uh, account of it. Matthew chapter 13 verses 31 and 32. Matthew 13 verses 31 and 32. Mark chapter 4 verses 30 to 32. That's Mark chapter 4 verses 30 to 32, and then Luke chapter 13, verses 18 to 19. Luke 13, verses 18 to 19. One more time, Matthew 13, verses 31 to 32, Mark 4, verses 30 to 32, and Luke 13, verses 18 to 19. Okay, Matthew chapter 13, and we're coming now to the third parable of the kingdom. Remember what we've been saying about the parables, they are mysteries, that which can only be known to the initiated, They are parables, earthly stories with heavenly meanings. They are dark sayings and knotty sayings that have to be untied, unraveled, unwound in order to discover the the interpretation. So Matthew 13, verses 31 and 32. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown... It is the greatest among herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. Very simple parable, very beautiful, but only two verses. Now, let me just give you some introductory thoughts about the, uh, about the parable as we move into it. Coming now to the third of the parables, and you'll notice now as we move into the third and the fourth parable, uh, these are two parables at least that Jesus himself does not interpret. So we can be getting out on dangerous ground unless we have uh, proper hermeneutical principles, proper principles and keys of interpretation. Is it safe to interpret what Jesus left uninterpreted? As was mentioned before, uh, many of the theologians through fear of getting into heresy or something like that say we must not interpret what Jesus didn't interpret. And I say no, we, uh, we can interpret what Jesus didn't interpret because he has given us keys of interpretation in the first two parables. How many have seen that so far? The parable one he interpreted, the parable of the sower and the seed. Parable two he interpreted, the parable of the wheat and the tares. Parable three he did not interpret, and parable four he did not interpret. Now, I believe, as I said, that uh, Jesus has given us certain hermeneutical keys or principles of interpretation. And uh, if you want to buy a good commentary on the Bible, I recommend that you buy a Bible. The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible itself. The Bible interprets itself. The Bible is its best own interpreter. The Bible interprets its own symbols, its own parables, and we're going to work from part to whole and whole to part, as we've been saying each week. So in, in interpreting the parable tonight, we use the hermeneutically, we'd say we have to use the parabolic principle and the symbolic, uh, symbolical principle of interpretation. Okay? We'll compare spiritual things with spiritual things. Uh, 
Now, as we've been saying right through, we need to discover the major lesson to be learned from the parable, and then we'll work from part to whole and whole to part. Now, let's just uh, remind ourselves of what we looked at several weeks back. In using our illustration of the, uh, the golden lampstand, remember that we said the first parable is the key to all parables, and Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any of the parables? So the first parable, uh, the shaft of the branch, is the word of the beginning of the kingdom, or we might say the gospel of the kingdom. It's the seed, the word of the beginning of the kingdom. And then uh, parables 2 and 7, uh, which we looked at last week, parable 2, Parable 7 teach the mixture in the kingdom and final separation, uh, wheat and tares, and later on when we get to parable 7, good and bad fish, mixture in the kingdom, and then ultimate final separation. God lets the wheat and tares grow together. He gets the same uh, uh, type of fish, the good fish and the bad fish in the same gospel net. It'd be great if God had just so let down the gospel net and only get in good fish. But how many know you get bad fish and catfish and everything like that. I was reading that scripture the other night, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. I've never experienced that promise because I've never caught a fish in my life. I've caught a cold. I did catch a catfish once, but the fish, no, I don't like fish, so uh, they don't bite. Anyway, mixture. So we just don't get uh, good fish, we get mixture, good and bad fish in the same gospel net, wheat and tares, in the same field. Now what we're looking at tonight now is the Two branches are the same, two branches are the same. We're going to parable three, and then next week we'll go to parable four, and parables three and four teach the, listen to the basic interpretation of it, the external growth and internal corruption of the kingdom. So the parable we're looking at tonight basically teaches the external growth, the unnatural growth, as we're going to see, the external growth of the kingdom, and then next week, We'll be looking at the internal corruption. So external and internal, that's the thought of parable three and parable four. And then when we get to the last two branches of the same, proceeding out of the sides of the shaft, parables five and six, we have the priceless value and cost of the kingdom, the man who sold all he had to get the treasure in the field, and the man who sold all he had to get the good uh, pearl of great price, the priceless value and cost of the kingdom. So we're looking at parable three tonight, and uh, the external growth of the kingdom. Now, as we've been doing, and uh, I trust everybody's with me by now, we say we work from part to whole, and I'll just keep repeating this just for those who uh, may be here for the first time. Uh, many of the expositors, through fear of heresy and everything like that, they say you must not make something out of every part of the parable. You just, all those parts are just there to sort of fill in the parable and make up the story. All you've got to do is find the major lesson, that's it. But how many know that Jesus made a lot out of the parts of the first parable of the sow and the seed? How many know that? Hands up. Okay, how many know that he made a lot out of the parts of the second parable? Hands up. Uh, have you got hands tonight? You know, when I ask you a question, answer me, okay? How many know that Jesus did that? Okay, all right, we're going to do it tonight and see if we can be on good, safe, scriptural ground. And because I've done my homework and I believe that I'm a, uh, a sound theologian and a sound hermeneutician, I have no fear about interpreting what Jesus did not interpret. Everybody said, Amen. The rest of you said, Oh, me. Okay, let's look at the parts of the parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed 
in his field. It is the least of all herbs, herbs, what do we say, herbs or herbs? How many of you know herbs? Herbage. Okay, and it grew to the greatest of herbs, herbs. And me me at Harry, don't drop your H's. Okay, and it became a tree, and uh, the other uh, gospel says, uh, it shooteth out great branches, and then the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. So that's the parts of the parable that we want to look at. All right, just let's run through some of these and there's some of the main symbols. Now, for those who have done Key of Knowledge, this will sort of be a reminder to you. In, uh, in, in, in pr uh, uh, biblical principles, we say there's the parabolic principle, and in order to interpret the parables, we must interpret the symbols in the parable or using the symbolic principle as we've been doing in the last uh, several weeks here on the parable of the, of the sower and the seed and the parable of the wheat and the tares. So here we have the parable as parts and within the parts we have symbolic language. So we need to use the symbolic principle. So we'll spend a bit of time uh, or a bit more time on certain parts here like the mustard seed and uh, growing into the branches, the, the dirty birds and so forth. All right, so number one, the first part of the parable is this. Kingdom of heaven is like, and just some uh, uh, synonymous words here, the kingdom of heaven is similar to, it resembles, it represents, or it corresponds to, all synonymous, synonym, synonyms, pardon me. Okay, so the kingdom of heaven is like, it's similar to, it resembles, it represents, it corresponds to. Okay, what's it like? What's it similar to? What does it resemble? What does it represent? What does it correspond to? They're the questions we ask ourselves. All right, number two, the second part is a grain of mustard seed. We're going to spend a reasonable amount of time on that, the mustard seed. What is the mustard seed? So the kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed. I want you to link that mustard seed up with the kingdom. It's a parable of the kingdom, remember. So the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. All right, we'll come back to that. A man took. All right, I believe that the man is the same all the way through so far. In parables, maybe you like to make a note of this, try not to go too fast. Go down to verse 37 of Matthew 13. Matthew, 30, uh, Matthew 13, verse 37. He answered and said unto them, He that sowed the good seed is the Son of Man. Now, in parables 2, 3, 5, there's a man. Okay? In parable 2, a man sowed seed. In parable 3, a man sowed seed. In parable 5, a man is looking for a treasure in a field. In parable 6, a man's looking for pearls. So there's one man all the way through here. The parables 2, 3, 5, and 6. I believe the man there is the son of man. Okay, so the seed. All right, so then number 4, or which a man took, so the man, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the number 4 is sowed. Now we have sowing in the first parable. Now let's remind ourselves uh, of, of, uh, of our progression here. In uh, parable one, so let's uh, see the progression here. Parable one, we have seed. A sower went forth to sow and uh, the seed fell on the various types of ground. So parable one, we have seed. And then we proceed to parable two and we have a mixture of seed now, good seed and bad seed. So the good seed are the children of the kingdom and the bad seed 
are the tares, the children of the wicked one. So you'll notice one seed in parable one, the good seed of the gospel of the kingdom. And, and uh, as I've said there, and I'll say it again, in parable one, we, be, we receive the seed. In parable two, we become the seed. You cannot become the seed until you receive the seed. Okay, so seed in parable one, seed in parable two. All right, progression again in parable three, what we're looking at tonight, we have the same thought of seed now. There's something about the seed here. But in this case, it's mustard seed which we'll look at, so mustard seed. And just to sort of anticipate next week, we have in parable number four, something that comes from seed, and it's meal. So how many see that uh, as Jesus is developing this thing, uh, in the progressive revelation of the parables of the kingdom, a seed in number one, two seeds in number two, singular seed in number three, and then meal, which comes from seed in parable four. All right, so the seed, the seed, the mustard seed. Now, as I said, in the first parable, we receive the seed. The seed is the what? The seed is the word. In the first parable, the seed is the word. Everybody say that with me. The seed is the word. But in the second parable, the seed is not the word, but it's those who have received the word. The seed, the good seed, are the children of the kingdom, believers. Everybody understand that? Now we're looking at another aspect of seed, the mustard seed. What does that mean? Okay. We'll look at that in a little while, all right? Then next week we'll look at the meal. So uh, he sowed seeds, so the same number five, in his field. Now you'll notice the word field is used seven times in this chapter, and I'm going to give you the references, because remember it's all parts of the jigsaw puzzle. Let's go to the interpretation of the, of the field, first of all, in verse uh, 38, where Jesus interprets this part of the... Uh, the parable too, but the Jesus is consistent all the way through. So in verse 38 he says, the field is the world. Okay, now here's the verses where the word field is used. Verse 24, kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. Verse 27, did you not sow good seed in your field? Verse 31, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed, which a man took, sowed in his field. Verse 36. Uh, the, uh, yes, verse 36. Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. Uh, verse 38. The field is the world. Verse 44. Kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure, hid in a field. Uh, which the, uh, when a man hath found, he hides, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys that field, twice there. So seven times the word field is used in these parables of the kingdom. So let's be consistent. The field is the world. Everybody say that with me. The field is the world. Everybody can say amen. So we're being consistent. I tell people, well, if I'm wrong, I'm consistently wrong. But I don't believe it's wrong. I believe we're consistent. There's a field in all those parables that were mentioned, mentioned seven times. All right, number six. We'll come to this in a bit uh, uh, fuller development in a moment. But the, the mustard seed is the least of all herbs. <laughs> herbs, herbs. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying here. Uh, it's the least of all herbs. And uh, it's the least of all garden herbs not uh, referring to it, but particularly garden herbs, the dictionaries uh, tell us here. It's a pure seed, 
Here's the main thing I want you to pick up, in a, uh, at least for the present. The mustard seed is a pure seed, small in its beginning. It's a, in, its, in its seed form, it's a very small but a pure seed. So it sort of gives us an idea as we develop here. So a pure seed but very small in its beginning in seed form, it's a small seed. Now, in number seven here, it grew to the greatest of herbs here. There's something unnatural because a, a, a mustard seed doesn't grow to become a great herb. <laughs> oh, this reminds me of our old horse we used to call herb. Uh, so it grew to a great herb. <laughs> and uh, there's something unnatural, uh, monstrous about the unnatural development of this seed here because the mustard seed naturally doesn't grow that way. It doesn't become the greatest of all herbs. And so number eight, uh, so unnatural uh, and monstrous was the growth of this thing, it became a tree. And it shot out great branches. Emphasizing the emphasis. And in these branches, as the uh, uh, branches came to their fullness, the birds of the air came into it. And uh, what other parable do we have birds mentioned in? How many think it's the same birds? So let's be consistent. See, if the field is the field, the field, the field, the field. The birds are the birds of the birds of the birds. Let's be consistent because we're, un we're interpreting what Jesus didn't interpret. And we've got to have sound hermeneutics, and I believe we do. Okay, so in uh, chapter 13 and verse 4, first mention of the birds. When the sower sowed the seed, now you'll notice here, in the first parable, birds picked up the seed and there was no fruit on that type of ground. And now here we have these birds mentioned again. We're going to be looking at the dirty birds, a few other birds on the way through, Yale birds here. Well, I speak that by, uh, by application, not by interpretation, okay? All right, so the birds of the air came, and where did they lodge? In the branches. Now, here's some of the things that we need to be looking at as we develop it now, so just put out the parts. First of all, we have the little seed, okay? That's a little mustard seed that's supposed to be. It's a pure seed, very small in its beginning. But as this seed begins to grow, it's supposed to be taproot, something like that, it grows, and it becomes a very unnatural, sort of a monstrous tree, uh, which is very unnatural, and it has branches and all these little, oh, see if we can do a little bird. Oh, isn't that cute? Did you do that at school? Eh? Oh, it's a seagull, well, whatever. You know what it's supposed to be. Who's got such discernment? I could be an artist, you know. I could paint a barn, but that's about it. All right, now we want to amplify some of these things. First of all, we'll look at the mustard seed. I want you to go over to the scriptures that mention the mustard seed, and I want you to look at the scriptures so that... Uh, and I, the reason I'm doing this tonight is because we haven't got Jesus' interpretation of it. We've got Connor's interpretation of it, and this is the right interpretation. Thank you, I've got one amen here. I believe it's right, and it's not my fault if I am right. Is it? All right, Matthew chapter 13, 31 is first use of the word mustard seed. Matthew chapter 17, Matthew 17, 
How many enjoy putting your jigsaw puzzle together? Matthew 17. Next mention of the mustard seed. And uh, it's found in... Uh, let's pick it up in the context. Uh, we won't read all the verses, but from verse 14, Jesus has been up in the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, nine of the disciples are downstairs trying to have a, uh, a little bit of a deliverance meeting and uh, didn't get much result. They were exercising the devil instead of exorcising it. How many have ever exorcised demons? How many have moved in de de demon deliverance? I have a bit and I've exercised them quite a bit. I didn't say exorcised. And they've exercised me too. Anyway, it will, you'll find that in the book of Acts, chapter 666, when you read the history of my ministry. Okay, now to verse 17. Uh, Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart. I always like that. Appreciate that. When nobody was around, the crowd had gone home. And said, Why could not we cast him out? Jesus said, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say to you, If you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed. Oh, now are we picking up a clue here? Okay, let's uh, sort of put it down. We'll... The kingdom of heaven, now I want to bring two words together here. Kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. So first of all, we've got the word kingdom, okay? Like a mustard seed. But now, in this verse, he says, if you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed. Kingdom, faith. Kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. If you have faith, as a grain of mustard seed. You shall say to the mountain, get lost, take a hike, remove hence to yonder place and shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth out not but by prayer and fasting, either the mountain or the demon, or probably both of them. How many have heard people say, look, I've got all the faith in the world? How many have heard that over the years? Well, you don't need all the faith in the world. I mean, you know, here's the little grain of mustard seed faith, and here's the mountain. So the little grain of mustard seed says to the mountain, take a hike, get lost. What we do today, and I say we, I didn't say you, so I'm saying we, we like to have a mountain of faith, and the mountain of faith says to the mustard seed, You take a hike. What's Jesus talking about? That mustard seed. Remember what I said? It's, it's the purest of seeds. So it's not a mountain of faith saying to the mustard seed, take a hike. It's a mustard seed saying to the mountain, take a hike. Mark chapter 4, verse 31. I think it repeats the same. Yes, just put down the reference. You needn't turn to it. Mark chapter 4, verse 31. It's the parable of the mustard seed. And Luke chapter 13. I'm just giving you the references to mustard seed. Luke chapter 13. And uh, verse 19. Yes, it's the parable of the kingdom. It's like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast into his garden, and it grew and waxed a great tree, and the fowls of the air lodged in the branches of it. 
And then Luke chapter 17, verse 6. Luke 17, verse 6. The apostle said, Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say, under the sycamine tree. So in one, one gospel, it's faith saying to the mountain, take a hike. In this gospel, it's the, it's the mustard seed faith saying to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the roots and be thou planted in John Steele's backyard. Because I don't want any more trees than mine. Now let me just read this. I didn't get this by revelation. I got this out of a dictionary. Okay. The mustard seed is generally agreed that the mustard tree of Scripture is the black mustard. It is not the smallest of all seeds, but it is the smallest of all garden seeds. The mustard seed was used proverbially proverbially, yes, to denote anything very minute, hence, which is indeed the least of all seeds. The bird lodging in the branches simply means that the bird settled upon it for the sake of the seed of which they were very fond. It's interesting. Some of the wild mustard plants on the rich plains grew as tall as the horse and the rider. If this was so, then it could grow taller and larger when cultivated in a garden. That's out of Paluba's Bible Dictionary. Thus small in its beginning, but grew to become a shelter and a provider of food in seed form to the birds that uh, flock to it. However, normally the mustard seed never becomes a tree. The mustard is a herb, not a tree. The growth of the tree is unnatural, abnormal for a mustard seed. It speaks of the development but it is abnormal development uh, of, of, of this seed. Okay, so much on the mustard seed. So the main thing I want you to pick up from that, it's a small seed, it's a pure seed, and yet there's something unnatural about its development and its growth here into a tree having great branches and the birds coming into it. Now, let's go to this point here about this, the tree. So we've got the seed. I'll come back to that in a little while. We'll come to the to the tree. I'd like you to turn over to uh, a few scriptures with me here. Let's turn to Psalm, well, Psalm 1. I'm going to have to skip some material. A tree is, is uh, used to symbolize a person or a kingdom. Okay, a tree is used to symbolize, symbolize a person or a kingdom. Listen to a couple of scriptures on the tree as a person. I'll give you a couple of references. We won't be able to turn to them. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the, seat of the scornful. Verse 3, he shall be like a what? A tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in his season. So the believer is like a tree planted by the rivers of water, brings forth fruit. Uh, Psalm 92, Psalm 92, you needn't turn to it. I've just got to talk a bit faster. Psalm 92, verses 12 to 14. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. So the righteous are like a palm tree. They're like a cedar in Lebanon. Psalm 128 and verse 3. This is all on individual persons being like trees. Psalm 128 and verse 3. 
Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants around thy table. So the wife is like a fruitful vine, and uh, the children are like olive plants. And then just put down Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 to 8. So, uh, Jeremiah 17, verse, verses 5 to 8. So they are just some references where a tree is used to symbolize a person. Next point I want you to pick up in relation to the parable now is that uh, a, a tree is likened to a kingdom. And a kingdom is likened to a tree. We see that here for a start. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed, though pure and small in its beginning, has an abnormal, unnatural, uh, uh, monstrous growth. And branches come out of it, and the birds come into it. Genesis 49.22, just put it down, Genesis 49.22. Joseph is like a fruitful vine whose branches run over the wall. So Joseph, like a fruit, fruitful vine, whose branches run over the wall. Uh, Ezekiel 31. I'm sorry, we don't have time to turn these scriptures. I'd like to, but we just don't. Ezekiel 31, verses 1 through to 18. And listen to how I'm putting this, because I'm summarizing 18 verses here. Pharaoh who is king of the kingdom of Egypt, is likened to a tree, and all the fowls of the air came and lodged in the branches of the Egyptian kingdom tree, and the beasts of the earth gathered under the tree for protection. Okay, Pharaoh, king of the kingdom of Egypt, likened to a tree, and the fowls of heaven came and lodged in the branches, and the beasts of the earth under the tree for its protection. Put down Psalm 80, verses uh, 8 to 11. Psalm 80, verses 8 to 11. Israel, the nation of Israel is likened to a vine brought out of Egypt. And its branches went out throughout the land. And Israel was God's kingdom. So Israel as a kingdom is likened to a tree. Now I'd like you to turn to this one because... Uh, Daniel chapter 4. I'd like you to look at this one. Daniel chapter 4. And uh, probably we asked the question, as I did in, uh, in sort of bringing my study up to date on this, why didn't the disciples ask uh, Jesus for the interpretation of this parable? They did about the, uh, the second one, and Jesus gave them interpretation of the first one, but they didn't ask for the interpretation of this. Personally, I believe, because they were familiar with the Scriptures, uh, they knew uh, the scriptures that I'm talking about tonight. Their whole concept in Israel was kingdom tree. Tree is a kingdom, a kingdom is a tree, tree is a kingdom. Now, listen to Daniel chapter 4 and put down um, for your own notes. We're not going to be able to read it all. Verses 8 through to 37. Daniel 4, verses 8 through to 37. Now, I'm just going to touch on the high spots. Verse 1 shows us, as you glance your eyes over it, we're talking about Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of the kingdom of Babylon. Is that right? Nebuchadnezzar, king of the kingdom of Babylon. And then Belshazzar, who is king of the kingdom of Babylon. Now, listen to what he sees in verse, uh, verse 9. 
O Belshazzar, master of the ma uh, magicians, nearly said musicians, but magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee, tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen, and the interpretation thereof. So he wants the vision of the dream and the interpretation. We're having a parable and the interpretation. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow unto it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed by it. I saw in the visions of my, uh, of my head upon the bed, and behold, a watcher, and an holy one came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, Hew down the tree, cut off his branches, shake off the leaves, scatter his fruit, let the beast get away from under it, and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, and in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion with the beast uh, in, uh, be with the beast in the grass of the earth. And then, as you go through it, you find in verse uh, 20, or verse uh, 19, the latter part, Belshazzar answered and said, My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof be to thine enemies. So here's a dream that has to have an interpretation. We have a parable that has to have an interpretation. The tree that you saw, which grew and was strong, whose height reached under the heaven and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and upon whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king, that art grown and become strong, and thy greatness is grown, and reaches to heaven and the dominion to the ends of the earth. And whereas you saw, the king saw a watcher and a holy one coming down from heaven, saying, Hew down the tree and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and so forth. This is the interpretation, O king. So he tells him the dream, then he gives the interpretation. Now I read all that particularly saying, okay, a tree is likened to a kingdom. So the kingdom of heaven is like to a mustard seed that was pure in its beginning, has a very small beginning, but it grows through the church ages with its trunk into an abnormal, unnatural tree and great branches of the church, great branches of, the, of Christendom, branch churches, if you please, denominations, various branches of Christendom, of the church, the Methodist branch, the Anglican branch, the Catholic branch, the Presbyterian branch, the Baptist branch, the Churches of Christ branch, the Pentecostal, the Charismaniac, Charismatic branches, all branches of this mystery of the kingdom, this tree, this began in kingdom faith. And it grew unnaturally into great branches, denominational branches of the church. Was it God? And now we see what happens to it. Put down also John 15, verses 1 to 15. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Okay, so Christ is the vine, we are the branches. So here we have mustard seed, small seed. So the kingdom of God from a small seed grows into a great tree, 
and birds of all kind camp in it. They feed on the seed for food. Once you pick that point up, the birds come in and feed upon the seed for food. The whole parable speaks of the unnatural, abnormal growth and development of the kingdom of God in the earth. The evidences, it evidences the external growth of the kingdom from a small and hidden seed and the branches of denominations and all the birds that lodge in these branches, these branch churches, uh, out from the tree, drawing life from the tree. Now, I have to... Let me just uh, spend our last couple of moments here on the birds because I, I want to move on to the next parable next week, not because we haven't got... just because we haven't got time. I want you to um, turn over to the book of Leviticus. Let's turn to Leviticus. We'll make this our last couple of moments. Does the time seem to go quicker Thursday night than other meetings? How many find out? Oh, when, oh, yeah, that's right, Wednesday. Get so heavy mind, I don't know what day it is here. I want you to put down Leviticus chapter 14. Leviticus 14. And uh, verses 6 to 7. And verses 51 to 53. So that's Leviticus 14, verses 6 to 7, verse 51 to 53 and then turn back to Leviticus chapter 11. Turn back to Leviticus chapter 11, verses 13 to 19. So I'll just say that again quickly. Leviticus 14, verses 6 to 7, verses 51 to 53, and Leviticus 11, verses 13 to 19. Now, I'll just uh, sort of paraphrase it for time. Under the law, back in the book of Leviticus, God gave laws for discerning between clean animals and unclean animals. And every clean animal had to have two signs. Don't you listen to this? Every clean animal had to have two signs. It had to part the hoof and it had to chew the cud. And if the animal had one sign without the other, it was not clean. It was an abomination. Now, I wish we had time to do, deal with the significance of that because... The divided hoof has to do with our walk and chewing the cud has to do with what we feed upon. Okay? Now, not only did he give laws about clean and unclean beasts, he gave laws about clean and unclean birds. And in verse 13, he said, These are they which ye shall have in abomination among the fowls. So he gives a whole list of dirty birds there. The eagles, the ossifrods, the osprey, the vulture, the kite, the raven, the owl, the nighthawk. How many are nighthawks here? Don't, no, don't, don't answer. Okay. The cuckoo. How many are cuckoos here? Uh, how many are going cuckoo? Okay. Uh, you, want, you, you want to read those scriptures. We haven't got time to milk them. But the laws concerning unclean animals and clean animals and laws concerning birds, dirty birds, clean birds. Genesis 15, put it down, we'll have to quit here. Genesis 15, verse 10. Abraham's offering a sacrifice before the Lord. And as he has the sacrifice on the altar and all those parts are laid out, uh, it says the birds came down and they were there to pollute and defile his sacrifice. And Abraham drove those dirty birds away. He said, you're not going to pollute the sacrifice that I've offered to God in covenant. And he drove the birds away. 
the saying we have, you can't stop the birds flying over your head, but you can stop them building a nest in your hair. That's all we can say tonight, but how many are starting to see the picture? Here's the pure mustard seed of kingdom faith that grows through church history and into the monstrosity Christendom is today with all its denominational branches and the mixture and the dirty birds that have got into that, polluting that, they're trying to feed upon the seed. That's the state, the abnormal and unnatural growth and development of the kingdom in its mystery form. Come back next week for the next exciting episode. Let's all stand. Father, we pray once again that you'll take the word that we received as seed. May we hide the seed deep in our hearts, Lord, and help us to drive away the dirty birds that would come and rob us of the seed of the word. Father, as we recognize the state of Christendom today and the corruption of that kingdom faith, the branches, the birds that have crept in, help us, Lord. Help us to keep a clean tree here, Lord pure kingdom faith. Let it grow, let it increase, Father, and confirm your word amongst us. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.